Hello and welcome to the Vassals of Kingsgrave. We are back this time around to return to some video game discussion, this time taking a look at some of the best games that 2020 had to offer and a general look at the past year in gaming, as well as a look ahead at what's coming in 2021. My name is Zach, also known as Alias on these internet lands, and joining me we have... Hi, this is Bing. Uh, I am Shoeshiner in the Kingsgrave Multimedia Network. Yes. Hey, it's Matt. Uh, since I don't use the forums anymore, I I'm pretty much just use my normal name on <laughs> the Discord and shit, so... Uh, this is Katie. I was Lady Griffin, and I guess now that the forums are dead, that doesn't matter... Uh, I have a Discord handle, but I don't remember what it is. I think it's something about dead leaves. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Greetings. It's I, Patrick, the Toll on Discord. Uh, toll also in real life. Spoilers. I'm, I'm Ben. Uh, I go by King Juicio on the Discord. Excellent. Thank you for joining us. This will be your first one, which is exciting. Yeah, long-time caller, or long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it feels weird to me. I, I feel like I've been doing this for a mortal age. So it must be it must be cool to be a, a first timer. It's been a long time since I had that experience. I've been listening since the World of Ice and Fire came out. I want to say. Yeah, that was like what, like twenty fifteen or sixteen? Yeah, something like that. I couldn't get my hands yeah. on the book, so I just listened to you guys. <laughs> there you go. We never finished our podcast. I remember. I remember. It's like it's still coming out, guys. Yeah, any minute now. We'll get to it. You know, at some point. <laughs> I love it. That's great. The Garyan cast is right around the corner. I promise. Soon enough. Soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before that, we'll we'll do some uh, some video game talk here. Um. So yeah, thank you all so much uh, for joining for this. So before we break into our planned roundtable, we'll we'll go through and kind of share some of the games that we've played over the course of this year and what we thought of those. I'm just kind of curious to get your overall thoughts on 2020 as a year in gaming. Uh, it's been a year certainly unlike any other in all respects, and the video game industry was absolutely affected by that, just like everything else. So just general thoughts, I guess, on uh, how this year turned out for uh, video games. I think pretty it was a good. pretty good year. Yeah, I personally think that uh, that we sort of... There's a lot of people that probably went back to video gaming right uh, yeah after maybe maybe having not as much time but now getting a bit more time on their hands for all sorts of reasons and i think that might have given some games a better standing better chance than they would have had otherwise i think we're just going to see games that would nor not normally do as well be high up on the list on the charts and and by on people's own list as well maybe it was a good year for Animal Crossing. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, I feel like Animal Crossing is less a game and more like a social phenomenon. It crossed into so many sectors. Like, it was relevant in, like, sort of, it became some, some sort of social app. Like, like uh, Instagram or Snapchat more than an actual game. Yeah, I feel that. It feels like everybody's genre got something pretty good out of this year. You know, people who are like, I don't know, uh, like FPS, like crazy heads, like got Doom and, and things like that. Um, like the, the the multiplayer scene got things like Among, Among Us and um, Fall, was Fall Guys this year? It was, yeah. Fall Guys was this year. Yeah, yeah Fall Guys <laughs> um, and all sorts of, I mean, like everybody got something it feels like, honestly. Yeah, 
Yeah, don't forget RTSs, man. Oh, RTSs. The yeah. dead genre even got some games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got, got, we got Skate 3. You know, we got... Uh, man, it's been a weird year, but uh, surprisingly good for just everybody getting something. I'd say that. Yeah, I think Among it is. Among Us came out in 2017. Right, that's an interesting one, right? Yeah, so Among Us came out a few years ago, and it just blew up this year, which was a was probably one of the biggest phenomenons of the year, absolutely, that game. And it's huge with kids. Like, it's crazy. It's like, just people playing on their phone, and they play just with the text. Like, they play with random people, which to me seems crazy <laughs> to play like that. But My sister plays like that. She yeah. loves it. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. do. Our, my boss's kids, who I guess are out of school right now, they come and hang out in our conference room, and that's what they do all day is play Among Us. Yeah. That is cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a huge one. Fall Guys was pretty big. Uh, Animal Crossing, as you said, was gigantic, and it was really that game people turned to when, when COVID was picking up for the first time, and it, it sold extremely well as a result. Uh, Nintendo Switches were out of stock. Uh, of course, we also had the the PlayStation Five and the Xbox whatever. I forget what it's called. <laughs> they just have weird names now. I don't, I don't know. know. Series X. Series something. Yeah, I honestly don't know. But those came out, so that's always big new console generation. It's impossible to get a PlayStation Five still. I think <laughs> so. That's a thing. Um, what else was big this year? It's interesting, like, you, you guys mentioned that, that uh, a, a bunch of stuff came out for, for everyone, and that's true. Um, but, like, for me, I don't know, for whatever reason, I didn't actually play too many games that came out this year relative to what I normally do. I only played six new releases, which for me is pretty low, but I think that's just because of what I was playing and what I was into. I think for overall it was good. Well, I, played, I played, like, everything. I played much more than I would have had COVID not existed. Makes sense, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, mainly just because, you know, I actually went around, just bought mediocre games out of boredom. Um, yeah, I think how COVID affected your life has a lot to do with that, because uh, I have, so my, my line of work, uh, I had a lot less time, free time than I would have normally uh, because of COVID. Um, uh, so I, I play significantly less games, uh, definitely not significantly less new games. Uh, than I would, but um, I think that's very different for experience for many other people who uh, whose lives were essentially shut down by COVID. All right, any other general thoughts before we jump into the roundtable? I feel like this year is also the year in which a video game discourse become a lot more toxic. Mm, definitely. We'll get to and get yeah, into there's a couple of games here that might, might be relevant. I mean, <laughs> it may have been more of like a steady build over the years, but yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, the we'll, discourse we'll was never this. great. <laughs> No. No. <laughs> there's plenty of examples we can point to of it being fairly awful um but i think just the whole internet has gotten more bad <laughs> as well yeah, so i guess following everything else yeah, fair yeah. Enough. all right with that said uh let's go ahead and jump into our discourse <laughs> with, with some of our favorites of the year I will start us with the final fantasy 7 remake so of course remakes are a big thing in video games right now gotta keep mining those old ips and this was a very big high profile one that has been anticipated for many years now and we got not the whole thing we got the first part <laughs> of this project with the final fantasy 7 remake ostensibly part one although they did not market it as that they marketed it as the final fantasy 7 remake which 
you can argue over the the ethics of that but speaking of the game and my experience with it um so for me when this was announced it was honestly my highest high of excitement for any video gaming thing for whatever reason mostly from my childhood playing kingdom hearts i grew so attached to these final fantasy 7 characters uh, and to this day, well, they aren't, in my opinion, the best characters by any means. They're probably my my actual favorite video game characters, honestly. Um, and I had always really, really wanted to see what it would all look like with modern graphics. That was just something that I had always desperately wanted to see. Uh, and we did get that with this. So at the same time, as this had its uh, its long development cycle and we discovered that it would just be that part one of a series of games, uh, you had to worry about what the, the final product would look like when it when it released, though, and I actually played it, I was I was blown away by by just how good this iteration of it was. The graphics, of course, are astoundingly beautiful. That's something that you can never knock Square Enix on. They have always been amazing about that. The re-renderings of the classic music are amazing, uh, and there are a lot of this was the surprising part. There are a lot of new tracks that are even more impressively just as good, in my opinion, than anything they've made before. What surprised me uh, the most was just how fun I had with the gameplay of this. Um, it Just to explain it a bit, it features an evolved version of the action-based kind of RPG combat that was sort of brought into this series with Final Fantasy XV. But this game is so much more fluid and strategic than that one. It combines the the action combat with an ATB gauge that lets you pause and program actions as you would in traditional turn-based RPGs. And once you have a handle on the combination of those two systems together, for me, there was so much joy in outmaneuvering your enemies. When I was done with my first playthrough, I immediately did another run on hard mode so I could get the most out of this gameplay, which is something that I, I almost never do. I almost never immediately replay a game after playing it for the first time. So yeah, this style of combat is not for everyone, and it requires that you take some time to get to know various materia combinations, which is basically the way that you get spells and abilities in this. It's it's very faithful in style to the original, but I think it is truly fun when you get a handle on all that both on the strategic planning layer of deciding what materia you might want to use and how you're going to prepare your weapons and things like that. And, and the moment-to-moment action, I think, is also really fun once you, you get that handle on it. But what really shines, of course, in this game is the characters, which are all so vibrantly brought to life compared to their voiceless polygon blocky forms that we saw in uh, in 1997. Um, there is so much much good and funny dialogue, and everyone's personality really shines through now that we actually have, like, proper translations and consideration for, like, how this would all sound and make sense uh, in English. I won't get into spoilers for this game, but there is a sequence in it based around a location called Wall Market that, for me, was ridiculously well-crafted. And I think demonstrated to me how much of a labor of love this project was, at least this first part of the project. It, it was clear to me that they really took care with this, which was surprising because Square, for the past like 10 years, I think it's fair to say, has kind of just not been what people wanted in a, in a lot of their games. A lot of the stuff they put out has just been kind of disappointing. And, and for me, this wasn't. This was well done. This was incredibly good compared to my expectations. Now, again, um, avoiding spoilers, um, the game takes some liberties with the original story and the, the open question 
hanging over this whole endeavor is where they will go from here, both from a story standpoint and just quite simply, if they can maintain that same level of quality moving forward. I am personally skeptical if the next iterations of this are going to be as as well crafted, as good as this one turned out to be. Because in part, the original Final Fantasy VII is a really weird game, which is what makes this such an impressive adaption so far that they've been able to kind of figure out how to navigate all the stuff that happens there. But it only gets harder from this point onward to make this a consistent good experience. An important element of that to me is the game becomes an open world game after you leave Midgar, which is where this first uh, part ends. And that, I don't know how they're going to do that part, like how they're going to make this open world situation fit into a modern game so that's a big question but yeah so the final evaluation of the whole project is is going to be probably different than how i felt about this but for me this first piece of the final fantasy 7 remake was was as close to perfect as i as honestly as i could have hoped for so that is that how many uh how many liquor bottles out of 10 would you give it liquor bottles <laughs> like okay interesting listen 2020 has been a hard year yeah um i would give it i would give it a nine out of ten i think that um like i said i think it was close to perfect but i think there are like just the 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 fact of the open questions about where it goes i just that is the that is the um the moderating factor i would say i think you played this right matt oh yeah um yeah i i love this game um and you know, it's, it's someone you know. I've never, I never played the original. Right. Final Fantasy. I mean, I you know, it's been t- I've talked about it before. Yeah, I haven't had much experience with Final Fantasy. Um, although the one I do have is is the much maligned Thirteen, which I'm a fan of. And <laughs> the uh, the combat in this game kind of brought some of that into this. So sure, <laughs> I was obviously a fan of that. Um, but yeah, I think I think mainly just the combination of. Um, the updated uh, graphics and bringing in voice acting um, and the switch up in style of combat um, just made this game very entertaining for me and kind of what I was looking for. Um, and uh, and about, you know, like being it only part one, I mean, yeah, I guess they didn't, it's not in the title, but, you know, by the time it came out, everyone kind of knew that that's what this game was going to be. So I don't really mind those expectations or whatever um but i also i also just i I liked it because i also just like the setting of of midgar um you know even if it's not a full like open world game like i i just like the the setting that they 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 put this in um and so that worked for me you know even if the the ending can get a little weird (laughs) um (laughs) yes and and yeah i think i mean maybe you know the other stuff is a little subjective with with the added content and the side quests or whatever. But I pretty much, you know, enjoyed all all that they did with that. You mentioned Wall Market and the tower sequence is, is I thought was excellent. Um, and that's that's kind of a part of the discourse I've seen where it's just like either either you kind of like like those character beats or you just like or you weren't invested and didn't care. Um, and I and I was the former where I really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, no, this this game was a blast, um, and you know we'll get into it more later. Um, with just you know, for me there there are four games this year that if you pick any of those as your favorite game of the year, I, I wouldn't argue with you, um, and this is certainly one of them. So um, yeah, the music the mu- that's another like common thing we'll go through this year, and, and it includes games I played um, 
that didn't come out this year, but I played for the first time this year, where there were, there were a lot of good scores in video games that I played this year, and Final Fantasy never disappoints in that factor. So I have a question. Yep. My my main problem with with the the newer five Final Fantasy games, which is reason why I've nearly haven't completed any of them once once since ten, I think, uh, is that they had too long cinematics, like very long cinematics, and usually and sometimes back to back. That you would, I think, it was in uh, fourteen, where you actually like had a cinematic walked 10 steps and then had another cinematic on a straight row where you couldn't go anywhere else. So you're like, I is that still a pro- That was 13, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a 13. 13 does a lot of that. Uh, how have they expanded on the uh, on the cinematics? Does that become a side effect as well in, in this game? So I'll, I'll let you jump in, Matt, on this. But for me, I actually just played 13 recently. And I also played 15 recently. And I think 13 is easily the worst of these games about that as far as like just like trapping you in 15 minutes of of cutscenes. this game i really don't think had that very much yeah i mean it's it's been a while since i've played this one um the remake and yeah there's certainly cutscenes, but it i they didn't seem to overwhelm me from what i could remember that's also something that i just kind of expect going into a final fantasy game um and and so it doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, thirteen is awful with that. Um, yeah, I mean I, I replay that game all the time, but I, I skip cutscenes. <laughs> like they're they're at least they're at least skippable. But yeah, granted on the on the first time through, you kind of want to watch them. There are parts where it slows down, um, and things kind of take unnecessarily long. Just little sequences. But for the most part, I would say first of all, like the cutscenes are fun. Like, most of them are really fun, and they have a point to them, whereas, like, in some of the other Final Fantasy games, it's just, like, characters talking about inane stuff (laughs) a lot of the time, Um, and I feel like that is less of an issue here. I feel like there's generally momentum to what's being, what's happening in general, I would say. It's nice that it was well-received, because I feel like, I haven't played it, but I have watched a lot of it on YouTube, and... It felt like the general desire from a lot of fans is that they wanted something that was a one-to-one remap, basically a remaster of the '97 game. And the fact that it seems like the Square took a lot of liberties with the story to the point of being super meta, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and it was actually well received. Is I don't know. That makes me happy. It seems like what they tr- what they're trying to do is actually very audacious and uh, bold with the source material, which is very well beloved. Yeah, I think we're. I think it's a little bit of a. It's still a question how people are going to feel about that if they really go off course in the next one. Because I think some people, there are still certainly people that just want to see the same settings and the same course of events, which mostly does happen here. Um, there is definitely there is definitely choices made that that uh, that complicate things and that make you wonder about how this will end up like relating to that. But for the most part, in this first game, like everything that that happens in the original happens and in fact it's all really kind of extended out and fleshed out compared to that so i, I do think that that the discourse on that is going to be interesting as we uh move forward hopefully because like i i have i wonder like how long is it going to take for this project to finish is it gonna is it gonna stumble as it goes like i feel like that's still a question so basically you ha- have the same feelings about this as you do maybe game of thrones the first few seasons of that yeah, that could be a yeah. similar thing potentially. 
So where is it gonna go? Uh, is it gonna be? Is, is it gonna pay off? Uh, why is it taking so long? All those things. And I would say that there's a certain segment of fans that has the same distrust of the of the of the individuals behind this project as uh, those behind Game of Thrones. I would totally understand that, considering like Square Enix in the last like five years. Yeah, yeah. I the last two years, uh, the last two games they put out. Other than this, I would be like uber distrustful. I, I feel like the like the, the they can't go more than three games with this. It feels like I feel like they're gonna have to truncate the material. Uh, basically, I mean they've given themselves a lot of power to sort of mess with the narrative, and it seems like there's a lot of chaff that be that because there's a oh lot there of weird, is there's a lot of <laughs> shit in, the, in Final Fantasy VII um, that I think like it's very easy for them to to streamline the narrative in a way that like. Maybe, maybe just one more game. Who fucking knows? Like maybe I would see it most yeah, like that would, two more. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And be able to wrap it I up. Feel, I feel like one more would be the ideal, but I almost am certain that they're gonna do two no. or seven or seven. seven. <laughs> <laughs> this will be done in thirty years. <laughs> they added a lot more shaft, didn't they? In in the remake, they add a lot in the remake. <laughs> Yeah, but I think a lot of stuff that wasn't even in the original was in. It's in, in this stuff. That's true, and I so I just played seven again, the original. Um, but I, and I think Katie is right that as we go forward, I think that you can take the opposite approach where you can cut whole sequences out. Like there's a lot of just bullshit in that game that is not relevant and is not the stuff people remember fondly. I think like I think people really love Midgar, so it made sense for them to to extend that and to give it more life. But I think there's a lot of just places and things that happen that are ridiculous in the original that you could legitimately uh, cut out. And of course, it all, it also depends again, like will they be faithful to the, the linear progression of things going forward too? That could complicate it. Do you think they're going to let you breed chocobos for 20 hours until you get the golden <laughs> one? Cause that's what I remember about being, I don't know, 12. Yeah, I just did that a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, I, I I don't know I I seriously wonder about the open world thing like how much is it going to be open world is it going to be like Final Fantasy fifteen in the way that game plays or are they going to just kind of railroad you a bit and I'd be I'd be fine either way honestly um and honestly I I I would rather not be open world if I had to pick um so that's an interesting question as well but Zach I have one question yeah is it better than Advent Children <laughs> <laughs> so wrong person to ask. <laughs> Because I love Advent Children, to be honest. I, I also like Advent Children. I mean, I own Advent Children on DVD. I'm pretty sure I bought it at an anime convention when I was in high school. So I have a lot of fondness for it, but I also like to, to rag on yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's very so. raggable. <laughs> oh, it, it's better. It's much better than Advent Children um, in every respect. But yeah, I, I love Advent Children because for me, I love seeing, like, my favorite thing in uh final fantasy 7 is like essentially again i won't get into spoilers too much but like the cloud plot and the ways that he has to like confront some like issues with his identity like who he really was and i like how advent children like brings that back into the fore like that's my favorite thing about that so like i just like that storytelling point in time of like after all this happened and everyone kind of having to reconcile like where they ended up after but yeah it is a thing i think we're good to move on from this uh matt i'll let you pick which game you want to start with all right eh, i'd rather start with ghost first um so yeah like so as i was saying for me there are just like four 
top tier games this year. Um, I mean, granted, this is also my style where I'm mostly just a, you know, single player um, adventure type player. Um, so I don't play a lot of the, the multiplayer stuff or, or even the Animal Crossing style of stuff. So those are kind of out for me. But so in terms of like the four big games, so it's it's Final Fantasy, it's Last of Us 2, it's Hades, and it's Ghost of Tsushima. Um, and so for me, between any of those four, you can you can pick whatever is your favorite. It really just comes down to the subjective and personal opinion. Um, so the one I went with this year is Ghost of Tsushima. Um, and it's for, it's for several reasons. <laughs> I think maybe the biggest one is the fact that it's just the best Assassin's Creed game ever made. Um, <laughs> and, and that's always been a franchise that, um, I've enjoyed and, and, it, and it's a franchise that's pretty much just exactly like my style of video game. Um, even though their execution is always mediocre. Um, but I, I just find it funny that <laughs> this one game came out <laughs> and just blew away, you know, what, 10, 12 games uh, of competition uh, in one fell swoop. Um, so <laughs> so that, that's the first thing of all. Uh, I'd say the second one is that it, it's a fucking gorgeous game. Um, and it kind of, you know, it's a game that uses all that the PlayStation hardware has to offer without all the the dumb crashes that have pretty much plagued every game that's come out in the last couple months um and, and i have like just a normal playstation not even a, a playstation pro um so that was certainly a plus um once again it it has a great soundtrack it's more minimalistic um but it, it just brings in a lot of the the J japan vibe um, I'm also a huge fan of the book Shogun. This game reflects a lot of that. Um, just that atmosphere is is great. Um, and then, you know, along with that, it also just combines a lot of gameplay elements that I enjoy, and it kind of brings them all together and picks out the best from a lot of different things. Um, obviously, Assassin's Creed is a big one, but they also give you a chance to do one-on-one -on -one duels, you know, with a little bit of Sekiro flair to them. Um, it's not as intricate as that type of sword fighting is, um, because that entire game was designed around it. But it's certainly satisfying and a lot of fun. Um, it also, in general, just has a better story than most of these games. Um, take the time to... It basically, it basically just actually took the time to write and develop a story that was um, interesting and uh, cohesive uh, and that just didn't in an open world game you can often get lost in just a bunch of all the side stuff there that you just kind of forget what's going on in the main story and this one doesn't like it just has a clear linear flow to it um, while giving you the, ch the chance to explore um, with and good character work too um, he, I mean he the main character is one of the guys that was that was nominated for his performance, and it, it was certainly uh, deserving of that nomination. Um, and and then I think this is the biggest thing um, as to why I would put this game above others in its relative genre. And it's just it's the balance of which it does kind of the main quest, the side quests, and all the other collect upon stuff that you get in this style of game. I think this this particular game had the best 
balance of all of that where it just it just had a better focus and where you didn't feel like you were just running around doing random shit um as i mean that's what plagues most assassin's creed games is that you know yes there's a little bit of story in there but most of all the side stuff is just you know random and repetitive um whereas this you know a lot of the side quests were were based around i don't know like five or six um different like supporting characters and so you basically they they each had their own like mini story um that you would go through um in between the main quests of the game and they were obviously also involved in those main quests as they would be weaved in and out and there were very few um side quests that were just kind of um random um in story moments some you know some of them worked better than others but there was it just felt like there was very few superfluous material in this um, and that's something that I really enjoyed. And it's, it's in contrast to say something like, oh, cyberpunk, which <laughs> is very like the, the main story of that is, is kind of, it's very good, but it, it's also just, it just feels very short and all of the other random stuff like isn't connected at all. So yeah, this, I would say those are the, the main factors. This is just, this is why I chose kind of, this as my, my favorite game of the year and and just the the atmosphere and um music and look of the game i mean you could you could stop and just kind of marvel at it whenever you felt like in this game so i i had a blast with it yeah um i want to touch on specifically like uh the minimalist use of the soundtrack when it comes in it's so good it it's always feels um like weighty and like needed to the story it's never getting in the way of of, uh, of anything else. Um, a lot of the sounds that just come with the game, like the ambiance of it, are perfect. I love it all. On the whole, like uh, like it being, it, it's an open world game. I mean, like it's it's got a map and everything, and you just run around from place to place, figuring out whatever is going on, right? Um, but it feels like it feels varied enough, and uh, how do I want to put this? It, it feels like the world is i want to see like alive in it uh which sounds weird but um it's it's a really yeah lived in it yeah this is the game this is the game that wanted me to buy a playstation again i haven't had a playstation since ps2 and i've i've gone xbox and i've gone pc and i never looked back until until now you're missing out on knack too yeah well (laughs) uh maybe maybe not I wasn't, I never really, yeah, I, I, I look at stuff like Spider-Man that's also cool, whatever, but for me, uh, I'm a Kurosawa fan, uh, I studied Japanese at uh, university and stuff, I, uh, the, the combination of that, I just wanted to play it in Kurosawa mode, uh, actually, and then that with the, um, with the this, this, this style of, like, uh, Breath of the Wild, that's that just clinches it for me. So when whenever whenever the PS5 gets out in, in stock again in Denmark as well, I'll probably be getting me a PS5 just for this game. Um, Kurosawa mode is best for missions. I, I've always seen like the main missions of this game. It feels just perfect for it almost every time. Um, otherwise, I love the 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 color that comes to the world. And in my own head, it's goes along with the story that. Kurosawa mode only comes out for Jin Sekai's like uh, main story uh, missions. 
But I'll I'll probably play it once in, in normal mode and once in Corazon mode. Here's, instead of like a, a, a normal waypoint system, your your quest markers are basically just like the wind the wind flows. Oh, it's so direction. fun! Yeah, um, you press a button, the wind flows, and you just gallop on your horse towards it. It's so beautiful. There's no like mini map where you're like following a uh, uh what do you call that like a marker or something. It's it's just you know follow the wind and it'll guide you and that is. Mm, primo kind of reminds you of uh, if anyone's seen Yojimbo, where he uh, yes. stands still stands the stick on the on the on the road and then just lets it fall and, and walks in whatever direction it falls. Yeah, so with Ghost, I haven't played it yet, but I I absolutely need to. It it does sound really cool. I will say in general, I'm not a huge fan of open world games, but I think the really good ones are worth playing, uh, and this seems to be one of those. So I would really like to try it. Uh, I'm a fan of Sucker Punch, so that's a, that's cool. Um, I, if it were up to me, they would just make Sly Cooper games forever, but this is fine. <laughs> too. Um, I, I love you for that. Yeah, I love those games. Um, but this is cool, and the setting is really awesome, and everything about how they've crafted it sounds amazing. You guys talked about the the uh, the wind as waypoint, which is so cool, and of course the the beauty of uh, of the world they've crafted here amazing and it sounds like the story is really good and the combat is good and worth playing so everything about this it's basically just a like a lot of these games that we are talking about this year there's something about them that you're like oh i don't know how i feel about that but this game feels like the most like unimpeachably good game i would say yeah i guess yeah i I can understand what you're saying about that it has (laughs) the least like arguments (laughs) surrounding its quality i'll argue for one other game which is my other game yeah (laughs) this year but yeah I'd say that's probably fair as well. All right, any other thoughts on Ghost? On the combat real quick. Um, I didn't like the stances at first. Um, which is, it's just like a, for different enemy types, you, you go into a different stance, basically. But then, like, I think it was, like, midway through that I just, it just got so much easier to, like, flip through it. And once you get that, it feels just perfect, personally. Yeah, the old, like, I can understand that. It, it is, it may be a little tedious to constantly have to switch and also because the sometimes the playstation had a hard time like reading my input <laughs> and so <laughs> i would just be trying to go like real quick through everything and it mm-hmm. just wouldn't it just wouldn't register all the moves i was making and that certainly <laughs> annoyed me but i also just I, I play stealth anyway so it's it's not a big deal um i very rarely get the straight up fights in games like those it sounds to me sort of like um to, in some on some level like Sekiro where like as you start playing it the combat feels awkward and weird but once it clicks it feels really good that kind of thing yeah yeah for sure little, yeah I say the stealth at first feels a little untenable as a like as a system but like quarter way through it, it like gets a lot better cool all right well we have that and we will move to Patrick uh, whichever game you would like to start with yeah okay so I'll just go with the my top one um crusader kings 3 i i'm saying this as a person that did not like crusader kings 2 well i i i loved like the premise of it i liked uh, the idea of me being able to mod it so that i can play in the song eyes and fire world uh i just didn't like how my ass got handed to me every single time i sat down and played the game uh so and the so now, well, I, I, I looked at it and, and they promised me that the menus would be better and be slightly more immersive. And uh, 
Well, Paradox, as it is, who the ones who who uh, produced this, came through. This is a really good game. It's uh, fairly easy to learn. It's easy to get into the systems. Um, it, it seems daunting, but as soon as you get into it, uh, if you play the first mission where you're first uh, story where you're basically the king of Ireland or soon to be the king of Ireland, then you learn all the mechanics, all the the basic mechanics in a, in a in a in a good way. Uh, it's just it's just very good, and for me, uh, it sometimes feels more like an, an like an RPG than a than a strategy game because it's the the stories you build around your your head of the house and the the family tree. It's just it the events around them. What what happens sometimes? You you get a cadet house from a disgruntled. Uh, uh, second son, it's it yeah it, it brings you in and I've had some of the best storytelling moments uh, of any game in in a game that's not necessarily uh, well maybe now it is a storytelling game. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm just looking at my Steam page and to see how many hours I logged in Crusader Kings 2, and it says 900 hours. So that's how much. Of my life, I've wasted on this dumb ass, dumb game, um, which is even less than, still less than Robot Universe Sellers Four. So that shows. Oh God. So, so that's so this is so the thing with first of all with Paradox Games, one thing you have to know is this is this game is not going to be the same game in in, in a year or two years. Um, mm -hmm. The way Paradox does things is they just keep releasing DLCs to tweak with the game mechanics and add more and more stuff. Um, so, and it's interesting, the Patrick, that you mentioned about sort of the immersive aspect. Actually, that's one thing that actually was kind of missing for me in Crusader Kings 3 <laughs> compared to Crusader Kings 2, because it's sort of missing the absolutely off-the-wall crazy, like the, 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 the long event storylines, like the ones in, which, in, in Crusader Kings 2 in which you can like spawn the, 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 the Antichrist. It's, yeah. I really yeah, and, and all sorts of those stuff, and, so, and and I feel like that's just going to be in the later DLC because that's how how it works in with, with Paradox. Um, it's still missing, like so for example, you still cannot play as uh, the Republics, uh, the Merchant Republics, which was actually my favorite go-to in Crusader Kings Two, usually because it's how broken they are. So I don't know if that's actually going to be the case in in, in three. Um, so I think one, two things that the Crusader Kings 3 does very well is one thing that Patrick already mentioned is that it makes the, the interface a lot easier because I don't think the game is actually, the game itself is easier than Crusader Kings 2. It's pretty much the same, it's pretty much the same game. In fact, in, in certain aspects, I would say Crusader Kings 3 is actually much harder than 2. Um, you can no longer bullshit around the, the, the inheritance mechanic. Um, you have to sort of play by like, I guess you could say medieval rules in that regard. Um, and so, 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 so it's a lot. It's a lot harder to game around that system, um, and, and and a lot of the loopholes that, that that players like it's like me who, who wasted so much time on that game uh, have found into to basically yeah break the game also have been closed off. So actually, I think actually mechanic in, in terms of pure mechanics is actually probably a harder game, uh, but they just make the interface so much easier to understand that uh, it feels like it's more approachable. And I think that this is the, one of the few paradox games that people can, can actually just pick up and play. Like I, I, like, I wouldn't recommend EU4 
to anybody normally. Mm, like, mm. Unless you've played a lot of strategy games, uh, I would not recommend EU4 to you at all. Because Red Kings 3, I think anybody can really, if, they, if they're willing to give it a try, I think anybody can play and, and get, get a lot of enjoyment out of. See, I've always thought of Crusader Kings 2 as the perfect game to throw people into as far as Paradox, like as a, as a good beginner for Paradox games. What, why? I, I felt it was intuitive. I, I like I Crusader Kings two is the is the paradox game that like I felt most comfortable in to start. Uh, I've played Stellaris, played you know uh, Europa Universalis four. I've played Hearts of Iron four. All of those games I felt less to start off at least less comfortable in the in the system. For 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 Crusader Kings three, I miss a lot of the gamey bullshit. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it it. I'm sure yeah. we'll find it eventually. I, I know people will find it. Uh, the the gamey bullshit we'll be able to do eventually, especially once DLC starts coming out, once events can stack and 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 you can get things to fire uh, with like weird consequences. I'm sure of it, right? But right now, I've I've tried the game three times so far, and each time, I've just not not had that same CK2 experience that I that I had before. Um, I don't hate it. I just don't enjoy it nearly the same. My experience was that I I lost several times and I didn't know why uh, or didn't know how to stop myself from losing, uh, like getting pummeled completely. Uh, so so if I and I didn't have have anyone to sit next to me or to give me tips. So I, I felt like there was no hand holding. Absolutely no hand-holding and, and very obscure menus that you had to go into to do stuff that was necessary for you, your survival in the game. Yeah, and that's why I said CK3 has a better interface than CK2. And I, agree, I, I completely agree with Patrick on that, that in that regard. CK2 has a lot of mechanics. That it, like, okay, I'm a, I'm a Paradox nerd. I know all that stuff going into <laughs> I played I played EU3. So, so and in and, and, and oh. Hearts of Iron too. So, uh, so going into those games, I know what the bullshit is, where the bullshit is. Um, but yeah, for for a newcomer, I do agree with Patrick that it is it is actually pretty daunting as a newcomer to 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 um, paradox games. Yeah, and I think that's something that, of course, every every big uh, paradox four X game is the is the moderating factor with these games, which is, and I have had this experience personally where I've wanted to play these games for a really long time. And it's only actually been this past year in 2020 where I'm starting to get into them. Um, I've, I started with Stellaris, which, you know, it definitely was a process to learn. And I think they're all a process to learn. I think even CK3, which I also played this year, uh, is a process to learn. Um, like, I think, I think it does make it more approachable. And I think that is appealing uh, for a lot of people who want to get started in this odyssey of games that are all really fun once you actually take the time to learn it all and get comfortable. Like, yeah, even with CK3, like, I, for me, Again, I'm pretty newbie at these, but uh, it took a bit. It took me a few hours before I was having a good time, to be honest. Like, it took me a few hours before I kind of understood what it takes to grow. And I think that is the essential essential experience is being able to grow your, your lands and to develop your whatever size of your uh, kingdom, duchy, whatever, is into, into something that, that feels potent and feels like you can really challenge other people around you and make that progress. And I think that um, even with CK3, it takes time, but once, once you get into it, so fun. So much fun to play these these kind of games. I I had such a good time getting into CK3 this year. 
Um, it was the game I played most of any game that came out this year, easily. I've probably got 100-something-plus hours in it, and I plan to play it more as more DLC comes out and more aspects of it get fleshed out. I think that is also an element of these games, is that typically, as I understand it, um, they come out of the box uh, not being exactly what you want them to be, and it takes some time before they're really perfect. And I, you know, like even like stuff like Civ, which is of course much lower level than this, it's the same thing where it tends to take time for its for it really feels complete. And I would say CK3, from what I understand, is probably the most fleshed out out of the box of any of the recent ones. Uh, but there's still plenty uh, to uh, to add of course but like patrick said i think the the thing that really makes this game fun the thing that that really like gets you reinvested in the experience is that process of the rpg thing where like you are playing this character you're playing a ruler in a place and it's all about you it's not about your it's not about your lands it's about you and what you're gonna do and as you progress through the game and you die and you become your kids it's so interesting to think about like how is my kid going to behave? Like, what does he want to do? Or what does she want to accomplish? Like, maybe as a as the first king I started as, maybe he's a he maybe he's a martial guy who executes a lot of wars, but his son is more of a steward type who wants to kind of build up the infrastructure of the kingdom. Or his son is all about intrigue and is all about plots and taking advantage of different situations. And the game kind of very organically pushes you in those different directions. Uh, and you may end up, one of your kids may end up being a tyrant and an asshole and you may be executing all of your vassals and causing rebellions and all this stuff. And like the process, like the, the process of getting to know who you are and who your kids are and who they end up being that is so much fun it's endlessly fun for me to to have that experience and to plot that out and to have things go horribly wrong and have to respond to them like that that whole that whole experience is what i think makes this particular game really special and, uh, and i'm excited to see how it, it, uh, it keeps growing from here when i was a duchy or two away from acquiring the, the original ireland scenario acquiring all of ireland and I was like, okay, this is happening. I, I can basically take things over in a couple of... Then you die. Uh, <laughs> no, no, okay. no. Then the state happens. And I was like, I was in really bad standing with the with the Pope. You kept taking all his money and he didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. So... So I said, okay, okay, I'll do, I'll, I'll go to a crusade. I'll take a crusade, and I'll send all the, almost all my uh, troops out there. Had a bit of trouble uh, protecting my own uh, area, but I went down there, and then we get down there. We take Jerusalem. I think I was a bit late for the party to take Jerusalem specifically, but then they, ju- the. The, uh, the AI took it, took care of some of these, the smaller armies, but no one was marching on Cairo. I was like, come on, guys, we need, to, we, we got to get to, got to get rid of those people. And, and um, this is my feeling that uh, that was what I was playing. This, this general has been tasked with uh, getting glory for Ireland and the, the fu- future king, uh, queen of Ireland. And then I go down single-handedly takes uh, Cairo, uh, captures the uh, the wife and the child of uh, the caliph, the caliphate, and then I my my uh, I win. I, I get become the the largest contributor to that war, which means that I get to choose who who gets to be king of Jerusalem. So so my daughter becomes queen of Jerusalem, and I and at that point I get to choose 
Do we want to play Jerusalem now? Or do we want to play Ireland? And that that whole that that whole prospect, again I'm like, whoa, this is I, I suddenly have a whole new story out of front of me that I can choose if I want to, or I can keep on playing this part of the story which I'm very invested in and I, it was a hard choice but it really clinched the moment for me that I had this for by circumstance ended up could I could get a completely different story in the same game without me ha- actually having much control over it I like, I like that I really did yeah that stuff is really cool and I, I just can't wait to see how they add more of those kind of branches and options of how you can proceed all right let's go to Bing's first pick uh, yeah, so uh, I put in uh, Persona 5. Well, so Persona, the franchise, got a lot of releases in the Western market. Um, first was actually the Persona 5 Royal, which is the um, essentially... So the way uh, Atlas likes to do things, the, the, the makers of Persona series, uh, they don't release DLCs. They just release a sort of an enhanced versions of their previous game, um, and which you, you can question the ethics and the... the logistics of doing that but um uh so persona 5 royal is basically just a a massively enhanced version of the game persona 5 which is was released in 2016 i think um and so they added so so persona 5 is uh is uh sort of like all persona games is sort of a turn-based well not all personal games all personal games since persona 3 is sort of a turn-based uh rpg in which uh in which you're uh in in which you sort of form a team um, to fight against um, sort of the, um, I guess the, what, what so the Persona series adopts a lot of, sort of the the Jung, the, the Carl Jung series of collective unconsciousness and that sort of stuff. And so basically, uh, collecting these things are, there are sort of all these mythical creatures and gods uh, as your personas, and then you go into sort of the unconscious world to fight against these things called shadows. So the original game is very well received, and I, but I think the Persona 5 Royal does add a lot of things that make uh, that makes this sort of the, the definitive version. So if someone is coming in completely new to Persona 5, haven't played the, the original, uh, I would recommend that you pick up Royal instead, uh, instead of the, of the original. Um, it does add a lot of experience. It adds new characters, um, although the the new characters added uh, that are added, I think, is actually pales in compared to how much they flesh out. A few of the existing characters. Um, in particular, they added a lot of. So, in the original game, uh, there's uh, sort of a sort of a important character um, in that uh, plays a very important role in the plot. But his story kind of gets sidelined a bit. Um, he is fleshed out a lot more in this game. Uh, a catchy, if you know, uh, if you have played Persona Five. Um, and so I actually think it does a lot better in that regard in sort of fleshing out existing characters rather than um, and so a few of the existing characters rather than the, 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 the contributions made by the additional characters. Um, they, they, do, they do add sort of another, they do extend the story a bit at the end, although I, I don't know. They, this, the, I don't feel like the, the sort of the new story meshes very well with the original story, although I do think that this new story on its own stands out actually stands out quite well. Um, and it is a very good experience to play through that story. Um, but it just sort of doesn't quite fit very well with the original. Um, uh, I think a lot of the new mechanics they added were very good. Um, it makes the, the game a lot more fun. 
Um, it does make the game a lot easier. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, 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 so that is a question of whether that, whether or not, what, what, how that, how you would feel about that. I feel like that the, in it sure it made the game easier, but it also made the game a lot less of a slog, uh, of a of, of a slog to get through in certain parts, especially sort of the the sort of the, the endless dungeon part of the of the game, the the the, the area known as Mementos. Uh, that that part is that experience is significantly much better in the in, in the in the new version compared to the original. Um, so. And and um, it does add, and it adds a bunch of extra mechanics that are also fun and that are also fun um, and, and it adds a it adds a card game that people just play that card game these days maybe besides instead of the the actual game itself um, so yeah so 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 there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in it uh, for both people uh, so def- definitely if you are new to Persona Five. Uh, you want to you want to get into this game? I, I would recommend just starting with Royal. Um, for it exists for people who have already played Persona Five. I think there are enough added stuff to justify basically buying it, buying the game over again. Um, but I think, but I guess that that, that that's that's I guess that's up to you um, whether you want to do that. Um, so uh, so that's that's what I have to say about Persona Five Royal. On a, on the combat. The, the the whole having the ability for your ranged weapons to, to reload actually, actually matter each, yes oh my god it matters so much because you basically <laughs> had like one or two uses per member of your party per dungeon run it it felt horrible <laughs> it was like this is basically unusable unless I absolutely need it. Oh uh, yes, yeah, so and previously the guns were only useful for I think one single purpose, which was to knock down an enemy, uh, and yes. that doesn't come until pretty late in the in the game. That that mechanic doesn't even come really in the game. Which the guns are basically useless. The combat in general felt more intuitive to get into, but it and it definitely was less of a slog. But I do miss the the harder aspect from Persona Five. I'm not gonna lie, going back into it, like I felt like it was more rewarding when I played it that first time because like once you get into it you're into it aren't some of the uh the bosses actually a bit harder one specific boss is harder is it does it involve I, burgers and space they absolutely involve burgers <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've heard about that <laughs> yeah i could i couldn't fight that was obnoxious i just I, you saying that i just remembered that that boss fight was a pain in the ass and i actually almost lost which never fucking happened with with making it with making it easier i mean what it did is it made the beginning easier which is which i was fine with because the beginning is annoying (laughs) um so it's just like instead of you know i mean what i had to do in the first game is is just is uh you know is grind for three levels to get yourself to like level seven and then and then go through the dungeon um and not having to do that is nice. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm fine with that fact. And then, you know, I mean, the the rest of the game felt the same because, you know, at least for me, at least for me after that, like, you know, that's, then you just, you, you get good at the game and there's not too, you know, the challenge is just the norm, is fairly similar. Um, also, also, they gave, the fact that they gave you an item to negate all of the bullshit insta-kill skills was really nice. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, had a bl- I had a blast playing this game. And yeah, I, you know, I bought the whole thing a second time. And, and you so, played yeah. it pretty quickly after playing P5, right? Yeah. 
but yeah, it would, it would be within like a month or two probably. Oh, what was that like? Because I mean, like there was a big gap for me, and Persona Five was my first Persona game, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Persona Five was my first Persona game too. Uh, I mean, yeah, like I, I really enjoyed it mainly because after I played the first Persona Five game, like there was, there was like there was end game stuff that I never got to because I didn't plan it out properly. Um, oh, and so yeah. and so basically, like with this game, I got to go through and and actually like plan it out and and really like min max some stuff, um, which which I enjoy doing. I was like getting to level ninety nine is so much more easier in Persona Five Royal than the original. Oh yeah, it was. I just, mm. I just but they took out the Reaper exploit, so I can't do that anymore. <laughs> No, they like, made the Reaper a lot easier to fight. Fair, yeah. yeah but it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, they maybe took out the exploit, but yeah, you get the you get the item to negate the instant kill, so you can actually like fight the Reaper like a normal fight, having to just instantly killing you with yeah. influenza. Yeah, I mean, I've expounded at length about how much I enjoyed Persona Five on other podcasts we've done, and I would like to play this, but I think for me, I would like to wait a bit longer. I had I had such a good time with Persona 5 that I just want to like let that marinate a bit <laughs> before I jump back in but everything I've heard about this one is that it is it is much improved in every respect which is amazing because of how good the base game is that they could even make it uh, even better and add more content and flesh things out like you were talking about Bing so sounds pretty great I hope to try it um, but I would like to play P4 Golden first and there's your segue <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um... One final thing to emphasize about Persona 5 Royal, and just to, to add on to the enhanced uh, content, Persona 5 Royal, I think, has the best song in Persona 5, which is, I think, very high praise. Is that the <laughs> battle song or something else? Uh, the Persona 5, no, it's, 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 it's a song in which you only hear once. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. At the very, very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that song is awesome. All right, so so this I guess I'll take the segue then to talk a little bit about Persona 4. And this was a game that was... Persona 4 Golden, which was the enhanced version of Persona 4, and that was a game that 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 came out all the way back in 2012, I think, or 13. Um, and so, but it was finally released on Steam, uh, which means everybody who has a P who who plays P, who can play on PC can play this game. Um, the the um, it's not a perfect port. There are bugs and issues. I've run into many of them. Otherwise, the game itself plays pretty well on PC. Um, and so Persona 4 Golden, it's, um, I mean, so, so the, 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 the basic, I guess, ground framework is similar to, to, in, throughout all Persona games. They're all uh, tactical, RP, uh, they're all uh, turn-based RPGs. Yeah, 2012. Thank you. Um, and, but, uh, and Persona 4 is much more, of, unlike Persona 5, which is sort of like you're playing with, for lack of better better word to put it, a group of social justice warriors. Um, in Persona 4, you sort of play a team that's solving a mystery um, in, in, in a small town. So unlike Persona 5, in which you sort of explore of Tokyo, Persona 4, you're sort of limited within this tiny, t- tiny uh, countryside town. Um, uh, I think in comparison to 5, um, I think uh, the story may not be as expansive and uh, as 5, but I think the characters in Persona 4 endeared me a lot more. Uh, compared to five, I think one of my favorite characters of all Persona franchise is in four, uh, Tatsumi Kanji. Uh, he's he is probably one of, one of the best written characters in, in in a Persona franchise, I would say, in my opinion. And and and, and, and um, I, ha- I have a lot of. So I I originally played 
this. And so I got into Persona franchise through Persona 4 rather than 5. And I have a lot of nostalgia for, for Persona 4. Um, and so it was really fun to just sort of get back into this game and, and actually do a lot of stuff that I didn't originally do uh, in the original, which is basically try to 100% this dumb game. Um, uh, I'm still in the process of doing that, but, but I, met, I actually did a lot of other stuff that I didn't originally do, like fishing, um, compared to the, uh, when I first played it back eight years ago nine years ago long ago yeah i think um everything i've heard about this one even before i before persona 5 was out made me want to play it it was just so difficult to get (laughs) um it was so it was so annoying because it was only on um psp vita and then it's on like the playstation tv which is also like a discontinued product (laughs) so it's very hard it was very hard to play so when it came to pc i was very excited um to have a very uh simple outlet to play and i will certainly play it and i think everything about like the small town smaller scale story that all appeals to me and i think it will be a lot of fun so i'm excited about that it's just very daunting (laughs) because it's even longer if i understand correctly than p5 which is very long Uh, it can be (laughs) yeah if you do all the side stuff and whatnot so i would like to get to that but you need like the the ideal in my opinion way to play a persona game is when you can like carve out some time like if you're like get some time off or something and you can really dive in um that's how i've enjoyed it at least so i would like to do that uh, and then go to royal all right when's when's uh p3 coming to pc katie <laughs> so, so I, can... I just never <laughs> probably never. <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah i'd at least like to do p4 and i think i'll be probably content with that in my persona odyssey for the time being pc will come to will come to pc when 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 your kind is finally being all revealed <laughs> there you go <laughs> right, it's a very it's a very very inside joke some people will get it. All right. Any other final thoughts on the Persona games before we move forward? There's 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 one final Persona uh, thing is that Persona Five Strikers, the the spinoff game, is coming out in 2021. What is that exactly? It's it's basically like so you know the the the, the, the Dynasty Warriors. Oh, okay, games. it's one of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun if you like that kind of thing. I got play Hyrule Warriors first before I do something like that. Yeah, I gotta play that, like, Breath of the Wild one. Yeah. It seems cool. Alright, Katie, take us through your game. Sure. I didn't play almost anything new this year. The game, the only, like, recent game that I played this year came out last year, um, and that's Telltale's The Walking Dead, the final season. Uh, I think I talked about this on the last roundtable we did. We talked a little bit about uh, Telltale games and and sort of the sad end to that studio. I always really liked the Telltale games, um, even though obviously I, I think that the studio suffered because they really couldn't change their model. They were very much married to a formula that had really diminishing returns. Uh, but I always loved the season release uh, package that they gave out. It was nice to have a new episode for a storyline released like a comic book basically like every month and know that I was always going to have like a sit down on a Friday night with a root beer float and you know for two or three hours just play through in a, another chapter of a story um, and so Telltale they folded unfortunately during the development of this game I think it was like during the second episode like immediately prior to its release uh, the studio foreclosed they had been uh they went bankrupt, and if you look at, like, there's some charts out there about, like, the diminishing returns of their profits over the years with each game, and it's shocking <laughs> that they hung that they hung in there as long as they did. Um, but they, 
ended up being able to finish not Telltale itself, but some of the uh, the devs. They went to a different studio, and I didn't look up what it is. The Walking Dead, the final season. Um, but another studio uh, basically picked up some of the devs from uh, from the game, and they were able to finish the last two chapters uh, over the next few months. Um, and so the final final episodes for the final season came out in 2019. I kind of forgot this existed. Uh, I had always planned to go back to it because. Um, even though I thought the, the third season of The Walking Dead was, was really, really bad. I had some hopes that maybe maybe this would it turn out better than, than episode two and episode three. Um, and to my surprise, it was way better than I was expecting it to be. From what I read, there were some changes in the writing staff, and you can tell. <laughs> it feels like that there was just a return to a very slow and methodical uh, storytelling that is for me just personally way more satisfying. The premise is basically it's the it's the end of Clementine's story. She's the little girl who is introduced in the very first season of Telltale's Walking Dead um, and grows up across the, the course of the series. And the final episode is her on the road with her adoptive son, AJ, as they're just trying to survive. Um, and the premise for the season is something that I don't think I've ever seen in any zombie media before. I, there might be some out there, but uh, basically they stumble upon a boarding school where the kids in the boarding school at the time of the zombie outbreak were basically abandoned by the staff and teachers there and had to fend for themselves. They couldn't get home. Uh, they were basically like they were sent to this delinquent school across country and could not return to their parents and have been living on their own for years, just like hunting and scrounging and living in this like falling apart old academy. And so Clementine and her kid, they end up like staying there and meeting the children and the story does a really good job of just introducing the kids very gradually and like seeping you into their lived reality and uses death very sparingly which is something that <laughs> the, the previous few seasons I think did not do uh, and was just really bad for sustained tension so I I enjoyed this finale to the Walking Dead series it feels sadly poetic that their very first big hit game was the walking dead the first season and then like their very their swan song the final thing that they ever put out and put together was was this final episode and it does feel like like there's a there's a few touches at the end that felt like this you know the devs they knew what they were doing they knew what they were working on and it feels like a a very tender goodbye to characters that they they really loved and cared about um so yeah i enjoyed it it, it i mean it is still a telltale game <laughs> you're not going to get anything new out of the mechanics but if you're just looking to carve out i think you know about 12 hours worth of just fun rpg not like fun choices and fun very basic mechanics and storytelling it's it's worth a sit yeah i would i would really like to um I haven't played any of The Walking Dead. In fact, still, the only Telltale game I've played is the Game of Thrones game, <laughs> which is the worst one. <laughs> I'm pretty Iron sure. Yeah, yeah, Iron we're back. Ice. Yeah, Foresters. <laughs> but I would, this is the one I would like to play most because, like you say, it is kind of really interesting, even just like on like a historical video gaming level, which I'm kind of a nerd about. <laughs> so it is interesting to kind of like just view the odyssey of Telltale and where we are now. And I think this game is the main prism where you would uh, experience that. And I just think the the setting is cool. And especially like how you're describing this last season, I'm, I'm really interested in that um, as a as a setup. Yeah, I would, I would really like to, to try that. And it's interesting because it feels like, of course, Telltale, uh, you know, 
went out of the picture um but it feels like even in general like i think the other like main player in this kind of narrative blocky polygon character <laughs> episodic space is um don't nod who made life is strange and it feels like even with them like they really haven't had like a hit since that game so it's kind of interesting to like consider like the future of this genre and where it's going to go and if it's like even if the genre itself is a relic of, of some sort i'm just kind of curious about that and like where we're going to end up with this kind of game because i do i really enjoy these games a lot uh they tend to offer really good stories and i like the episodic format as you were talking about it's just nice to be able to like i know some people don't like it but for me i like having like this sort of like this bite of the game and then you can look forward to the next piece and it can be something that you enjoy and slowly builds over time like i just really like that format so i i hope that uh this this style of game keeps going and that we it can kind of get some new life yeah it's it's i mean obviously like not everything they put out was good um Iron for third, like i said yeah the, the third <laughs> season of the walking dead was it was real bad it had its moments but that like i don't know what the hell happened there it was just bad writing and like bad implementation of like in, in, input from the from the player um but there was a lot of stuff that telltale to pull it put out that just told really great stories and yeah it, it's funny that you mentioned life is strange because i i just bought the life is strange uh i don't know what to call it like the season two it's like about the two brothers yeah um, life is strange too i think it's just what it's yeah like everything i've heard about the game, that game is it is it's amazing but nobody played it um yeah it's weird so it just yeah, it just seems like I think there might also be just an element of racism like inherent to the fact that it's about like two brown kids and apparently instead of like two white girls. But right. it, it is, you know, weird that like the story quality is ultimately irrelevant to the sales of the game, that there's just something inherently about like maybe the gameplay that is just not interesting enough for most people to return to over and over again. Yeah, I think... Uh... This might be part of it, of course, don't really know, but, like, I think one of the things for me that made Life is Strange really cool is, like, that, and this is so hard to do, so I understand why they hesitate to, like, invest invest in these kind of mechanics, but the whole time travel thing just, like, added a completely new dimension to it that made it so interesting to me. And that, from what I understand, they have kind of not, at least with Don't Not, they have not, like, pushed those more complex mechanics into their games. It's been more straightforward, so that might be an element. All right, any other thoughts or questions on The Walking Dead before we move on to our second round? Is it is it on PlayStation these days? Like, because that's, I mean, both Life is Strange and The Walking and the Telltale stuff, like, it's stuff I kind of put a little time into, um, but the main issue is that I just kind of fell off of, of playing games on PC. I played it on PS4. Okay, that's maybe something i'll look into doing Alrighty, i'm gonna mix this up a bit <laughs> all right let's go to you matt for your second game oh, okay <laughs> this will uh, be fun so yeah. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. so obviously i could have for me i could have picked of you know one of the other three games here so i picked the one that hadn't been represented by anyone else and so it's last of us part two i mean yeah like i i really enjoyed this game i feel like it would be, you know it would it would have been fairly um, easy for me to to put at the top of my list. Um, it it won the game awards, which which actually kind of it, it kind of it did surprise me a little bit how much it kind of like swept those awards just with with the overall quality of of the other three games I've mentioned previously. But I don't know, like I still <laughs> I still like this game. Um, you know, with uh, it does. Yeah, you know, I'm probably just not rating it 
as high simply just because of how good the the first one was and so that kind of that kind of gets the the uptick for it being the first in the series rather than the sequel um but i don't know the i was never well number one i never looked up the the spoilers before i played the game um granted with the crazy outcry, like I kind of was like <laughs> the most likely cause of that was going to be the, I mean, the big moment that happens is kind of like what I expected given how pissed people were. It's the only thing that kind of made sense um, with that. And, and I say with, with playing through it in terms of the story kind of, you know, based on what I'd heard before and as well as seeing like various trailers, I, I actually when i first started playing through the game i was actually worried that the that the storyline was going to turn a lot worse than it actually did um basically what i mean by that is that i thought there was going to be i was i was afraid that they might be going with the the no hope whatsoever type of story um which um uh, which is not something i'm i'm completely against um i certainly um watch those type type of um stories or 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 read them from time to time um but they're basically there there was a particular character in this game that to me kind of was the hope of the story um and and so after i started playing through the game i realized that i would much prefer this character to stay alive rather than get killed and it turns out that they they stayed alive and so with with just that fact alone i ended up i ended up liking the story and and with the decision that happens at the the finale basically you know at, at first at first when i was playing through the game i was all about going on on the the crazy mission just being like fuck it um, but by the end, I actually kind of uh, agreed with the, the decision that the character makes. Um, so it just happened to be that um, the, the, the story went along and, and did the things that I was hoping for and kind of like made similar decisions to how I would have made. So uh, I ended up liking it. So I, it. Even though I knew that, that the, the other shoe was going to drop at the end, I enjoyed seeing kind of the 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 hopeful the possible hopeful side of it um and and what that life could be like um and and literally when we got to the end of the game i was like all right this this needs i said out loud like all right this needs one more section where i can just get a bunch of bad guys that i that are clearly bad and i don't give a shit about and i can just run through them and destroy some people and that's exactly what the game delivered to me (laughs) so I was happy with that, and I also like both performances from from Ashley and Laura. I don't. I think Ashley should have won over Laura uh, <laughs> in, ter- in terms of the award, um, mainly just for legacy. But whatever, that's just how it's going to be. But both those performances were great. I liked I liked the contrasting play styles, and also playing the game on harder difficulty forced me to play the game a little differently. Where you know I'm I'm always the I'm always the stealth guy, but the harder difficulties on New Game Plus make that a lot more difficult. So instead, I kind of just went with the extreme violence really quickly method, where you just you just blow the enemies up so quickly 
that it's al- it's almost like stealth because they they just can't respond to you fast enough. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed kind of switching that up a little bit. Um, yeah, no, my my only uh, my only complaints in terms of of the gameplay is that you start the game out you know with a fucking knife and then you have to go back to the stupid shiv system again um which is which is awful so i haven't played this yet and i i need to but i've watched uh i've watched it several times <laughs> mm. and um i i personally i really like what what they did in this game and again we won't get into we won't get into details about it um but i think for me it it's a really interesting structure and i think it is successfully aco- like accomplishes what it's trying to do in a really in a really neat way where essentially like i'll just say like it challenges your perspective it challenges you the perspective that you have as a player of a game and it forces you to reconsider that and i think that by the time the game is through that totally works and i think it works because of the character that you were you were vaguely describing before the character about hope i think that character is so good and is is again key to making the whole thing function in the way that it does. Yeah, I think it's great. Like, I think it's a, I think it's a really good game. But I, I at the same time, like, I understand. I don't. I, there's a lot of really bullshit takes on this game that I totally don't. I don't. I don't like. And I and I think are just the internet being its typical toxic self. But at the same time, like, I, I understand if like what they're doing like didn't resonate with you personally. Like, I I, I totally understand and, and respect that at that that point of view and i think it's fine but like for me it totally worked i i love the story i i want to play it because i think like i i'm not really like super good at this kind of game but i i do just want to experience it because i think the gameplay is part of how they craft that that thematic experience and i would even say like without getting into it you were you were like decrying that they're going back to the shift system but i think there's actually a deliberate thematic reason why they did that it's not just to make your life suck like there's a reason and I, again i won't get into it but but there's actually like thought that went into the way that you play as that character do you think uh the timing of this game's release had to do with some of the weariness around it because i feel like i saw that take like yeah there was a lot of bullshit responses to this game but i also feel like and i i did feel this personally where it came out in june which was like around the time that like a lot of like anti-police brutality riots were going on we were still like mid early pandemic days and i remember this came out and i was like i just don't have (laughs) i don't have sure (laughs) to put myself through it um it's not animal crossing (laughs) yeah well not even that just like like it's a brutal ride right and Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the perspectives it has on on humanity and the way that humans react to crisis is in some ways very dishonest um, <laughs> in a way that I think I just didn't have I, like, yeah I, I did not have the fortitude mental or emotional fortitude to, to, to play it and I did see a lot of other people in that same boat where it sort of took the wind out of this uh, very anticipated release yeah so yeah no, I agree with Katie's viewpoint completely because that's that's same as mine I just did feel like I'm I, I can do this <laughs> knowing I, I did I did I mean I, I go into I don't care about spoilers I, I tend to disappoint myself I don't care um, so I know what's what's coming and I've watched some playthroughs but I just could nah, nah it's just not the, it's not the right thing. yeah that's understandable I mean I I consume a lot of let's say <laughs> darker material um so i i would say 
Well, it's not more. even a darker side. It's not even a darker side, but more of the. I don't know. I feel like this game intentionally tries to get into to get you to get you into a certain mood. Uh, yeah. With some of the choices that they make in in the game, and I just not I just not interested in getting into that mood. Uh, <laughs> this year. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I guess the other one thing is I've been I haven't watched a lot of movies lately. I've been kind of putting putting off some of them just because I just don't feel like settling down into that mindset. It, it makes sense for me, like uh, what Katie was saying. Uh, with the, we talked a little bit earlier about like the uh, the boom of Animal Crossing and like how it it's a simple game that just you know very chill. It's not you know talking about humanity or like the problems with us uh, or the issues we're facing or revenge. Well, my headcanon of Animal Crossing is about all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is that fair? Uh, <laughs> fucking capitalism. <laughs> Fucking but Tom I, Nook. That asshole. <laughs> Down with the Nooks. Yeah, I, I get that. But I, I mean, like, in general, um, it's a lot of, of like, a, a, it's a challenging game from what I understand. I've watched a little bit of it on uh, on uh, YouTube. But I, I don't, it wasn't for me at the time. I loved Last of Us 1, but I just couldn't get, I couldn't uh, put myself in that headspace at the time. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's a very reasonable take. And yeah, I think, um, I don't know, like, it's so hard when when a game like The Last of Us comes out and everyone loves it. Like, I feel it was inevitable, no matter what they did, that people would, like, some people would be like, well, it's not this. And we really grew oh, attached yeah. to these characters and we want it to be just like this again. So if it's not, we're going to hate on it. So yeah, it just was inevitable. And I'm not saying, like, I like I think some of the choices and some of the ways that this was approached are can be critiqued fairly um but yeah i think that it was just it was just such a hard prospect to like release this game in a way that would be universally praised yeah this was going to be divisive a divisive game no matter what so rts's are back or at least they've they've risen from the grave at least uh in my opinion command and conquer remake is exactly what a remake should be in the, in the scope that it should be, with the uh, attentiveness to detail as any company could could strive towards, even more so than maybe a, a, a game like uh, Final Fantasy VII, because in this case, you are directly taken back into the game as it was played 25 years ago with slightly upgraded uh, user mechanics, UIs. Uh, but other than that, it's basically the same game. They even went so far to restore old video files from the PlayStation uh, game, Aftermath, and other other files in, in, in the situation where they actually didn't have the masters. Most of them, the uh, cutscenes, which are which Command and Conquer and Red Alert especially is is known for their their over the top uh, theatrical uh, cutscenes. I, I must admit I never actually played Command and Conquer through. I played my first uh, CNC game was Red Alert, and that one I played through, and I also played the aftermath on on PlayStation through with the with a weird side story of of. Uh, giant ant the chance for me to go back and experience the game in a 
in a slightly more uh, updated version is just perfect. It was the perfect thing when I was basically locked in for a whole month. Yeah, I think um, this is this is something that I would really like to try. I, I do like RTS games a lot. And I never played Command & Conquer uh, when it was first out. That was just not a thing that was in my gaming experience. So I would love to love to try it. And everything I've heard about this remake that you're you're saying is true. And uh, like everyone seems to love it, which is great. And I think it's kind of germane <laughs> to compare it to another RTS remake uh, or remaster that came out this year, which was Warcraft 3 Reforged, um, which was not <laughs> so well received. Uh, people did not enjoy that one and felt like a lot of the promises made about what it would be like were not met. Um, so that's so that's a good, you know, it's good to see like something like this that people really loved and have a lot of nostalgia for could could deliver in a way that people were happy with. So yeah, and it it also sort of re- rekindles the the love for for the series, the storylines. It has branching story uh, split timelines. The, the the story is quite convoluted if you go through all the games and to see how that works. But that's sort of par for the core. And of course, in this this game, it is we have Tim Curry acting in the game. We have a lot of like James James Earl Jones acting in in, this, in the games, uh, and all of them are delivering like over the top uh, performances, uh, and it just feels like 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 a game that just wants to have fun and and they captured the whole feeling of it pretty well also the music i mean everyone remembers the hell march from red alert and when you hear it in an updated version the remastered version frank uh, Kaplecki went back and, and re-recorded a lot of the, the the tracks you get pulled back immediately back into everything that if you have ever played one of the regular games you would you will feel the the nostalgia will up in you well that's all good to hear and it, it well i don't personally have the nostalgia again i'm like a nerd for history of video games so i would like to experience this one at some point and i'll tell you that i am something of an authority on convoluted video game stories so i'm not worried about that ben i'm gonna have you take the lead on hades and i will follow you up Fair enough. Hades, say, like, roguelike action, has some shooting elements, like, it has just a little bit of everything, like a dungeon-crawling, top-down, just a, an experience that, like, feels very thrown into the past, like, 2005 uh, uh, PC game. But it feels just about the best uh, combat you'll, like, ever feel is this game. That's what I'll say. Like... The, the, the feeling of it, the the pace, the action, um, the enemy types, the variety, the you'll you'll get things like a, uh, an enemy type come back and it'll be different and varied in in a fun way, not in like a recycled assets type way where it's just like a reskin. And and the story to it is is the best part I'd say of this weird roguelike, you know, action game. The only other thing I would say on it uh, is uh, the score. It's just amazing. It's a banger. Play Hades if you have any. If you're interested in any of the the the, the type of um, combat or anything like that 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 is associated with this game, I, I would just recommend it completely. It's it's my game of the year. It's it's um it's just a, a wonderful experience. Yeah. So for me, this is this is my game of the year as well. 
um, and just some background for my experience with it. Um, I've been a pretty big fan of Supergiant Games who made this um, since their first game, Bastion, and I think that was in 2013. And they, for me, were really one of the first companies that got me into kind of exploring indie games and just broadening my video game horizons in general in that way. And as you're describing, uh, the hallmark of Supergiant is this really gorgeous mix of art, music, and, and character. And Hades is the best we've seen of all of that, of anything they've made. And they've made some really good stuff. Um, I started playing this uh, in early access, early in in 2020 um but i waited to really go all in on it when uh the 1.0 version released i think in in september um when that came out september yeah Yeah. and uh and that's kind of when this game blew up this game really blew up in terms of people playing it enjoying it and uh just the hype around it has been pretty crazy uh to see um so for some of the reasons for that i think um as you're describing, Ben, the the all the characters in it, um, the Olympian, and so this is set in like a Greek mythology setting. All the Olympian and uh, the Chthonic gods, because you live in the underworld, as the name would suggest, um, and all the other characters are beautifully rendered here. Um, the way that they've decided to represent um, these different figures and their personalities is really cool. They like I'm really this is just a sort of a setting that I personally enjoy, and I think they really nail to me what makes it work which is like this mix of like really like fun loving gods who like have a sense of humor to them but they're also really capricious and wrathful like like they're not like hercules the disney movie where they're all just nice all the time they're they're all kind of like the they, they like are willing to to help you out if it serves their ends but they are definitely not you can't really trust them which i think is yeah i think everybody is uh out for you to come hang out with them but if you cross them they're like well i don't like you anymore. and they're really only doing it because they want to stick it to hades your dad um and just just uh annoy him so like it's not like their intentions are altruistic and wanting to help you um so yeah as you said the music is outstanding um and it's really cool how it works and this is something that Supergiant tends to do it's kind of built in diegetically where certain characters in the story that you meet are the ones that play a lot of the music and that just adds a, a cool flavor to it and and just makes it all deeper and more appealing um and for the gameplay and this connects to some of the stuff that that we just talked about um obviously this is a critical piece of a roguelike game um because it's the kind of game where you're going to want to be playing it over and over and over again, and it needs to keep being fun each time um, as you do more and more runs. And it's easily the best gameplay that, that Supergiant has put out. There is so much variety of the builds that you can use on each of these runs you do as you try to escape the underworld, which is what, in the end, is what makes it insanely replayable. It needs to be fun to play, uh, and it is, and there are so many weapons you can use, these boons that you get from the uh, the Olympian gods and the other gods that power you up, um, and the upgrades you get from uh, this Daedalus hammer thing that changes the way your weapons work. I feel like... I feel like for me, like I had played this game a ridiculous amount. Like I'd played like for like 70 hours and I'd done it. I'd done runs in so many different ways and I'd still only scratch the surface of what you could do. There's so many options of ways you can approach it, which is really cool and perfect for a roguelike. Um, but as you said, Ben, the thing that makes it so special compared to other games in this genre is certainly the story certainly the character um like the sheer amount of character it has is really unique in this genre um and it's consistently in particular mind-blowing how many lines each character has 
and how many built-in interactions there are based on extremely minor things you might do uh, in Etron. Like, if you just pick up a particular item and walk into a boss room, that boss might react just because you're holding that item that you that you bought, and that's that's crazy. Like the the, the sheer attention to detail here is part of what makes it so cool, and you're you're constantly going to be going, "Wow, they thought about that." Like it's it's that kind of game, uh, and it's what makes it, I think, something that that people are so into is that it, it was such a such a labor of love, such a committed project that they made sure they got right and made sure that they really um, did everything they could to make it the best it could be. And yeah, you'll absolutely grow to love all the characters as you play. Um, and that's thanks in no small part to some really wonderful voice acting here. And it's cool because it's not like the voice actors you know the names of. It's mostly people that work at the studio doing a lot of the voices. Uh, and they are all great. And they're all unique. And they all give you that sense of the character. So that is pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, for all these reasons, this is, uh, this is an amazing game that I think anyone can enjoy. Um, and it definitely deserves all the, the uh, hype it's gotten. Yeah, I, my little sister, who's like nine years old and doesn't like games like this, loves this game. She loves it. She's like, I want to play it too. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm cool with it. Uh, and she just, she loves the like, and it, it's something like she's never played before. And she, she's addicted to it already. Um, and then like, uh, to touch on the voice acting, it is superb. Like surprisingly superb from such a small team. Um, I, I would highlight like the game direction in that case because it feels like someone behind the scenes definitely knew what they were doing when it came to directing a lot of these people because the voice acting is just crazy, like amazing. Zagreus, uh, Magira, uh, and Hades, I would say, are like especially yeah. some of the best voice acting I've heard in video games um, are is this game. Like, they flesh out the characters so much and uh to highlight like what you were saying every time you meet another god they'll be like oh yeah you've got that boot on you that's really cool and then they'll talk to you about it it's such a like a weird because it's like oh i haven't heard this one yet because you picked up that boon this time or whatever it it's just a a, like you said a labor of love it it feels like this game honestly this feels like a triple a game like masked for for, for, like a, a smaller like studio but, but from how much, like, feels like how much stuff was put into it. Um, and I, I'm the same way. I've, I've got, a, like, 80 hours into it, and I feel just like I've scratched the surface. Like, I want more, and I know there's more that I still haven't done. Yeah, no, I, I really, I've, I've really enjoyed my time with this game. Um, and I don't, I don't, I mean, this is my first, this is the first, like, roguelike I've ever played. Not something I generally enjoy playing. Um... And I mean, and, and thank and thankfully it was available um, on the Switch because otherwise I wouldn't have played it. Um, I thought I I kind of assumed it was a PC only game, um, but then randomly found out it was on the Switch, so I got it. Um, as I've just been steadily hearing the the hype over the over the past few months. Um, I also like until like the day I bought it, I also didn't realize um, it was a super giant game, um, which was just kind of a uh, a bonus on top um, that we get, we get some, some Darren Corb in there um, who I absolutely love. Um, and, you know, just, just another game with a fantastic soundtrack. Um, yeah. You guys already mentioned the story, which is fun. I will say kind of just a, a minor nice thing. So like the, you know, the, 
the the first time I ran into Eurydice and um, and heard the song coming up, you know, coming from that, I was like, oh, there, finally, <laughs> Ashley Barrett has has arrived. <laughs> yeah, I had the same experience. I was like, when is, where's Ashley? When's she gonna show? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Um, and yeah, and so so being being a big fan of of Hades Town, um, it was nice to get a few songs with with Darren and Ashley as Orpheus and Eurydice. Um, that was probably my my favorite side story. Um, although obviously um, Patroclus is is also a lot of fun. Oh, that's so good, yeah. Um, yes. Getting getting some of that is I had to read the the Iliad back in the day in, in high school. So yeah, so so overall, just you know, a lot of fun. I'm kind of um, I've almost done everything kind of I wanted to do in the game. Like uh, you know, I've I've pretty much completed everything in terms of the prophecies and whatnot and i'm almost at like 16 heat certainly not going all the way up to 32 <laughs> yeah no um, <laughs> that's a bit much um so yeah and then i've found uh, you know I've, I've found ways to pretty much enjoy every weapon except for the fucking railgun i can't stand that weapon yeah i never really got into the railgun either for some reason yeah and it, it took me a while with some of the other weapons but i finally you know, I finally found kind of the the aspects that I like. What's your favorite weapon? Uh, so, it, and it was only a very recent one because originally I was pretty much, you know, the best. Well, hilariously, the one I got the farthest with first was the shield, which was really funny. Um, Same, actually. Yeah, the, the first time I beat um, uh, Theseus and the Minotaur was with the shield of all things. Um, but it was, you know, it's the it's the the spinning aspect of Zeus with the Zeus special combo. Um, that one's fun. Mur- yeah, it just murders people. So that's why I think. I think the first clear I got was with the spear. Um, so Achilles' spear was definitely my favorite for a while. Um, but it was only when I got up to like I don't know, twelve heat or something that I discovered the Chiron aspect with the bow, and that's that's easily the weapon I'm best with. When I when I the first time I clear sixteen heat will be with that, um, just because it's it's such an easy thing for me to to do. Yeah. And you can almost make any build with it, and it works. What about you, Ben? What's your favorite? Um, the sword with the aspect of Arthur. That's fun. Uh, I yeah. just love like it's so fun, so much fun. Uh, the it, you can just like slow them down. There's a bunch of, of like cool upgrades associated with it. I love it so much. Uh, I I agree. The Chiron bow was. It saved the bow for me because for the longest time I hated the bow. Yeah. I felt yeah. it was like basically useless, honestly. Same. Uh, but the Chiron aspect did save the bow for me because without it, I just it's like oof. But I don't think I can. <laughs> I don't think I can deal with this. Uh, I love the real gun. I don't. I, <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird. Like some people love it. It just never clicked with me. It's weird. It's the it's the reload mechanic. It's just it's that extra second or two. It takes me to realize I've run out of ammo, and and release the button. Um, uh, it just like it's, it's just it, it matters so much in this game that is that when you get to higher difficulties, you have to be moving so quickly, um, and you need the game to respond to every single decision you make. Um, and I can't stand that delay where I just get caught. Also, the fact that the the main attack doesn't stagger is annoying to me. My favorite thing was with the uh, railgun to get the the five bombs right uh, yeah no, so yeah the, the rail gun works in 
in two aspects. It works if you get the unlimited ammo thing that takes away the reload, and it works if you get cluster rockets. <laughs> like in those, right. in, it's fun. yeah, in those two aspects, you just fucking dominate. But if you don't land those two, like on your on your RNG, like then I, I just can't stand it. <laughs> it's definitely the weapon that you need to you need to invest the most into to really get it to be fully uh, what you want it to be. I'm gonna be a contrarian and say I love the aspect of Hera bow. That's my favorite bow, where you can load the like... the casts into the bow. I love yeah. that one. Yeah, it's too much. Um... It's a lot in this game. Yeah. It's a lot to be pressing that many buttons. Oh, I love it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. the part that annoys me is having to stick a little oh, Poseidon boon on there. It's pure magic. I'm telling you guys. <laughs> All right, that's that's yeah. enough for Hades. Sure. Great game. If you haven't, if you have a the kind of uh, the console, or whatever you can play it, definitely give it a shot. All right, we have one game left. <laughs> the last big game of the year. A rather anticipated Woo! game. Why don't you take us through this one? Thing. 2077. Eh? Yeah, so um, I'll be honest, I haven't played even... I, I've played up the game up to the point in which you get when you get Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and I stopped playing because, well, news uh, happened. And um, so I, I play on a PC and my PC is pretty... It, 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 it's pretty good. It can run a lot of games, um, and and I, I didn't have as like this sort of game breaking experience a lot of people did when they played it on you know PS4, which has to be refunded. Um, and um, but I still encountered several bugs, and I, uh, so I stopped because I feel like this game will be uh, this this game will probably be a, a much better experience in in in, in let's say a year. Um, after they've tried to fix everything. Um, so without getting into the discourse part about the game, the, 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 the larger discourse about the game, the game itself, it's fine. It's a good game. It's not the sort of revolutionary experience that people, either the game, it's either the, the uh, ECD Project Red promised or, or certain other certain fans expected. Um, it's just a good open world game. Um, there's some parts of it that are pretty fun. Um, I like the hacking aspect, even though I suck at it. Um, the combat really isn't that much different than any of your other typical open world games with guns. Um, in that a lot of, you can, you can sort of get around all the, the, you can say, unique gameplay by just blasting people through with, with different guns. Um, the... The, the, the world is very pretty to look at um, on a surface, um, but is it that much different than, say, a GTA or, or um, I, I don't know, name any other big open world sort of with modern or even futuristic settings? I don't know. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a decent game at its core. Um, I haven't, so again, I haven't uh, played through too many, much of the storyline and, and as somebody who was a huge fan of Witcher 3, that's always something that's um, what makes the, the, the this, what made that game great. That was the, the reason why it was, was one of the best games of all time. Um, I haven't experienced that much through the storyline. I think the story up to the point I played was pretty good, and the characters are pretty are, are, are likable, but there's nowhere near the level of depth that uh, the Witcher series had. 
Um, and the problem there might just be that, again, the Witchers come from an, exa- uh, an established franchise, a fantasy franchise I, I, I myself am very invested in, given that I'm a member of the, the reread for the, the book series. Um, so it's some, and, and, but I think having that basis for the lore gives, gave the, 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 the people who made the games, um, a lot more things to play with in, in terms of storyline. Whereas here, I don't think that there is that much of a foundation in terms of the cyberpunk franchise, if you will, which I'm not as familiar with. Um, so maybe there are, and I just haven't explored it enough. I just don't feel like I'm being challenged by the storyline as much as I did with the Witcher series. So that's another issue. Um, so yeah, fundamentally, it's a good game. Now we can get, get we can talk about the larger discourse if we want to. Um, but that's really all I have to say. But uh, the, the the soundtrack is great; um, it fits. Um, but yeah, it's I don't think it, it, it's just a pretty good open world game. Yeah, I would I would concur with with pretty much all that. So yeah, so <laughs> I played on a PlayStation Four. I'm on my second oh. playthrough. I'm on a, my second oh. playthrough. I'm a goddamn masochist. Oh, but <laughs> 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 but but like you deserve I, deserve a medal. Yeah, I still like. I just still, yeah. Even with all the shit, uh, I still just enjoy. For me, for me, the discourse is simple. This game should have been at a minimum released a year later. Um, yeah. Like the earliest this game should have come out would have been December of 2021, um, and it should have only been released on next gen. That is the simple answer to any discourse you may have about this game. <laughs> and, like, that's it. The, so, yeah, I mean, so, I don't know. It's, you know, it crashes every, like, few hours or so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I've gotten used to it at this point. Like, I, I pretty much know, you know, I, I save constantly. I pretty much can predict when it's going to crash. I mean, honestly, the mo- it mostly crashes when I'm... Uh, organizing my inventory, which is probably the most, <laughs> which is probably the most frustrating part, because I get done with like five minutes of like selling shit and deconstructing uh, and all that, and then it crashes, and then I have to do it all over again. Um, so I, li- so yeah, so I literally go like I save before I start. I open my inventory and I save after I go through all of that, <laughs> like every time. <laughs> uh, so like that, those are like the main points when it crashes. Um, Honestly, the more, I mean, the more annoying parts are the fact that, uh, you know, in all the rush they probably put through to try and get this game out, uh, there's a whole bunch of, like, quality of life stuff in this game that is missing. Um, so, in, in mentioning, you know, that I've, pl- you know, in my boredom, I've bought and played a bunch of mediocre games. So, I've, like, I've played both uh, all the way through, well, almost all the way through, the new Assassin's Creed game and Watch Dogs Legion. Um, those are also games that, that crash every four to five hours. Um, uh, yeah, Watch Dogs Legion I haven't quite completed yet because I'm on a, one of the final storyline missions that bugged for me and hasn't been fixed yet. Uh, I completed Assassin's Creed all the way through besides um, a couple of, of side trophies that are also bugged for me and haven't been fixed yet. Um, but like, but those games still have better quality of life stuff than Cyberpunk does, <laughs> and that's awful. <laughs> like, that's unacceptable <laughs> in this day and age. Um, I mean, you can't even in Cyberpunk. You can't even. There's not even like a hide 
helmet gear option, you know, which existed in like World of Warcraft. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, no. Uh, when you remove your so when you remove your helmet, you you look you look into the depths of your head or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's just like every every piece of head gear you put on in this game just completely changes, you know, how your character looks and makes it look worse. And so the, there's no hide helmet option. <laughs> uh, you know, the waypoint system uh, uh, is not great um, in terms of like showing your your quest marker. Um, you know, Watch Dogs does that a lot better, uh, especially with driving around. Uh, I I'm. I'm at the point in this day and age where I think all RPGs and stuff like it should come with an auto, like you should be able to respec at any time for free. Um, that's kind of where I, where I'm down to these days, which is something you can do in Assassin's Creed. You can take away and put, you know, reinvest points, uh, um, anytime you want. Um, and this game you can't, well, you can, you can for a hundred thousand dollars, but that's a lot of money and you don't, you don't even get real life money, money, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and as being said, it, it it takes a while to kind of figure out all the mechanics. You know, uh, the hack, the hacking mechanic, and all that took me forever to to figure out um, and get it to where it was. You know, in in an OP type of scenario. Um, and by that time, I had already invested a bunch of like that's the main part of my second playthrough is I'm just trying to min max my build. <laughs> that I did in in the in my first playthrough, um, so you know, so that's a big part of it. Uh, so I would I would prefer to be able to respec, um, and you know, it also came back where you know at the start of the game, you know, obviously I try to play things in stealth, and you can't really do that in the beginning of the game. And I thought that was just like a play style I wasn't gonna be able to pull off, but you know, you level up enough, you get the right points, and it also you, know, you can also just make it as op as you want. Um, so yeah, like those, you know, those are some like little things, um, you know, in terms of like the good, like the, the main, I, I really like the main storyline and I like kind of your, your supporting cast of characters. Um, the, the issue is, is just that, the uh, it's, it's relatively short compared to, you know, the length of this game comes from all of the the side missions and stuff that you can do and just you know as i mentioned with ghost you know the the ratio between random side stuff um and your um immersive uh main storyline or uh supporting characters plot lines just isn't it, it isn't good enough um you know the the, the easy comparisons of this game are, are skyrim and fallout 4 it's that style of game um, and the quest lines in Fallout 4 are, are much better and much more focused around your, your companions than, than this one is. Um, so, like, those, those are the highlights of the game are the main storyline. Yeah. I mean, uh, Keanu Reeves is great. Uh, like, <laughs> he, he's a really awesome character in this game um, and a really good driving force. And then kind of your supporting companions and, and romance options are also great. Um, they, just, they just don't take up um, enough of the game. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the, the, the com- I feel like the comparison to Skyrim does it a lot of disservice. It does, it is, yeah. it's apt, but I think that's the reason why do I feel a bit left out because The Witcher Three was so much better experience than compared to Skyrim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skyrim, I I do stuff and I literally don't feel like I care. Well, I have not played it yet, and I probably will not 
until it's more patched up. But I think that's the most disappointing vibe that I'm getting is that coming off of The Witcher 3, which felt like every side encounter in that game is just very nuanced and people feel and act like real people. Like, it, it feels like this is a much more threadbare experience, which is disappointing. I think, I think in general, the thing, I, the point I, I, I've had this this year also is like I think CD Projekt Red was more or less one of the few last studios that I was I was hopeful towards yeah I was hopeful towards I you know we've had the fall of EA EA was always fallen it was never Uh, (laughs) I, I used to play some good games oh yeah they had really good studios until they killed them yeah but but yeah uh, in the early 2000s, I used to love EA and all the things they made. And we have all other companies, so I don't go, want to go too much into it, but one by one, they tend to disappoint, especially as, as the more uh, ambitious they get. And you mentioned Skyrim and Bethesda has also had a bit of a problem last year, but about the same time, right? Uh, with with a, one of their open... World yeah, games. Fallout 76, which was garbage. <laughs> yeah, and and people compare it to, to that game, uh, this game, because it was also buggy as hell uh, and broken for some people. Um, so I think it's just, it's sad to see that another studio did not live up to the hype. Maybe not, doesn't need to live up to the hype, but just not mess up the way they they tend to do are all of them i think that is this is a typical problem with studios that are sort of becoming triple a is that they they emphasize certain aspects that actually are not the things that that probably that that got them there in the first place like the 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 fix cd project kept talking about this immersive experience but what was immersive about which is three wasn't all the fancy looking graphics or any any of that world scoping or whatever it's the storyline and i feel like if they actually just put a lot less and that's that's actually where all that all that production problems come from right it's the it's trying to trying to sort of sculpt the perfect movement like the, the perfect lip flap and all of that stuff when when you don't need that you, you really don't need that you just need a good storyline to get people involved um other like indie games have proven with very very minimal graphics that they that they can become game of the year material or, or whatever just simply through telling a good story but that i don't know why that part wasn't the emphasized part that part i don't know why that wasn't a part of the hype machine of this game um and, and it just seems like all the all the uh all the um they they, they that all of their attention was paid in the wrong in, in, in the wrong areas it'll be interesting to see what if anything this does to the industry because the the blowback to the studio seems to be fairly significant um having like having your product removed from from like being delisted is is like unprecedented for something of this scale it'll be it will be interesting to see if like other studios take notice <laughs> i'm hoping it's enough of like a kick in the nuts to to minimize some of this happening again um i mean i would i would say the main thing is you know, I, I would say probably what backed them into a corner the most was putting a release date on it, 
where they just felt like it had to be released in this year, um, where if they had just never done that, um, they maybe could have could have pushed it to the point where to delay it as long as it needed to be. I think that ultimately the situation is that video games have become extremely hard to make as as technology has improved and as the expectations of fans as you were kind of talking about there Bing is that like some fans are just the expectations in the industry of course is like the games look better they play better and in every way they're improved but that just makes the the complexity of development that much more and studios haven't necessarily adapted to account for that and of course in this in this case and for a lot of games right now it's even worse because of the just the way that companies have to work right now like working from home like that makes development or any work harder in a lot of cases. It just makes it more, it makes it take longer. It makes things more complicated. And I, I just think like, of course, like these companies, like they need these windows that they have to hit and like they have these goals and all these things that these financial interests that they have to achieve. And like at some point, like either the way that games are being made needs to change or the companies need to adjust their expectations of, of, of how long it's going to take to make them. And the problem, like the fear that I have, and we don't have to fully get into this whole conversation, but like the fear I have is like, at some point companies are going to decide that it's not feasible financially to make these kind of games. Then they're just going to go make Candy Crush (laughs) because it makes way more money and it's way easier to make. (laughs) Like that could be a a potential future, which is scary, but that could be where we go. The loss, I think what was exciting about Cyberpunk is that like this, this kind of game of like the large open world RPG is fairly rare. Like it's, it just, yeah. Like you say, Zach, like the fear is like that, 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 that kind of story becomes more and more rare in video games as it just, it doesn't have as long of a, like a financial tale as the studio would like, like it's, it's easier on production to make something less ambitious or less story driven. Uh, I would not like that to happen because <laughs> I don't like this is the like this is the game that I gravitate towards, even though it's obviously the, the game that's hardest to, to make and implement. Um, but yeah, who knows the student? I mean, the way that we, we talk about this all the time, like the AAA system is just it's a mess and unsustainable. Yeah. It might be that we go through like a small drought of these types of games, but I don't think it'll go away forever. Like it, it's a very attractive game for a lot of people is the thing. People like these types of games. So I don't think that the market is dried up for it completely. I agree this like the system they have right now is just kind of untenable because like to put in the type of work to make these types of games work is it's a lot. You know, it, it's just a lot. And the hope is that this like these types of games will kind of go away for a little bit and then when they come back it'll be cheaper to make in some way, you know. That, that's the only hope, really. Well, I don't know if they're just cheaper to make. I think, again, I feel like just the emphasis should be different. Um, I, I really don't think there's there's the need to keep trying to outdo each other in terms of just graphics and, and just... Map size uh, and all that. Yeah, Distant weather right. systems. It just tends... Oh. Like, all that stuff just tends to just tend to make the world even more empty in comparison. If you don't have... If the game doesn't have a soul as in, at yeah. its core, as in terms of storyline, then, then, then however expansive you make the world, everything is just going to feel the same. It's just not going to, it's not going to matter. You get like beautiful empty desert that you can <laughs> ride around on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that worked for Breath of the Wild, so. Oh, did it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of people her, her... love that game, but I don't know. Like, barren emptiness is. I don't, I don't know. Well. 
But even even with Breath of the Wild, I feel like the characters, at the very least, the characters had soul. <laughs> and, and and that's a very different franchise when you're talking about Zelda versus Cyberpunk. It's well, yeah, it's an, it's an open world game as well, and it has some of the the ideas. Well, it sort of propelled some of the ideas further into other games like Assassin's Creed and stuff like that. Uh, Breath of the Wild. So I don't think it's 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 uh, wrong to compare it. Uh, also, Breath of the Wild was also a game that that was slated to be on one console and then came out on and the newer console with uh, with with having to to also have it on the old console. And actually, that some say that that's actually maybe the more complete feeling version, the old one for once instead of this one where it's basically not unplayable but near unplayable on ps4 so so there's there's likenesses between the the games and i think well in any case this game was also in a situation now where it wanted to go come out with the new console or near the new console which also touted stuff like ray tracing compete with with games like spider-man miles morales stuff like that which looks pretty great as well. Uh, so, I think it's. I don't think. I don't think people learned, and I don't think they will learn. I think it's. It's very necessary to to push the envelope. Uh, we go graphics, and open world games usually are the ones to try to do it. Sure. That the any any time you have a game of this scale that has to open on multiple generations, like bridge the gap between one generation and another, that's automatically going to put a, a massive burden on development um, that can soak up a lot of money and time. Yeah, sure. But again, I feel like if you, if they're just interested yeah. in making a great game, that's not the stuff they really should be worried about. I don't know. I don't make games. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a really good discussion. Uh, and I'm glad that we ended on that. Um, any final thoughts on this i mean it's a very interesting topic and it's something that i'm sure we'll we'll discuss it uh, at a later time just this general like future of the industry and like for me with the game itself um cyberpunk yeah, i'm just gonna wait like i actually have confidence that it will be like in good shape at some point i like i think the developers really really do care and they want to make it good and it's kind of shitty that they were put in this position to have to rush it out so yeah i'm just gonna, i'm just gonna wait um and i'm sure i'll enjoy it when uh when it's in that state and i think it'll be a nice story when it is like we've already had some of these like a uh, like no man's sky is a really good example of a game that released in a really bad state but now people love it so it's it's possible like the redemption arc is there if they can uh, make it happen yeah i would i would love to look back at uh, cyberpunk in a year and see like how it's changed honestly when it turns true gold <laughs> true gold Alrighty. well that was our round table great stuff everyone really cool games really nice variety of games that we discussed we've been going a long time so we'll probably speed up the the end of this but i think there's a few things we still want to hit i just want to quickly ask uh, are there any games that we didn't mention from this year that you want to shout out i think we could hit most of the big ones but if there's anything we didn't say now is your yeah, chance doom looks pretty great doom yeah doom, yeah uh yeah my only shout out is, is the one that patrick just mentioned is, is miles morales um, yeah that's another that's another one i wouldn't i wouldn't have bought it um if you know if i didn't have all the extra time that i have um but no it was it was great it you know it maybe could have been a little cheaper but <laughs> like the you know the, the storyline it, it 
the storyline was great and it had and it was the right length for the story that they were telling i definitely want to play that one i'm just i'm just waiting till it's cheaper but yeah i love miles and i love spider-man so that'd be cool yeah and just you know a good a good choice with like the characters they included and and the the villains they include any other games did you I do you want to just shout out like you know the games not from this year yeah or? let's do that yeah if there's any games you played this oh, year okay. that yeah, weren't I mean, from this yeah. year yeah there were there were two big ones that I played this year that I hadn't in the past again ones with great music so it was <laughs> it's God of War and Near Automata uh, good games I had oh, I had a blast yeah. with both I mean obviously God of War is is a near perfect game uh, it's so fucking good um, and will talk about its its sequel in a second here and and near automata while you know there 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 are good and bad parts about it like overall uh i think the positives far outweigh the cons um and you know i really had a, a blast uh, in playing it once again there's you know a great score it was fun going through all the endings and while by the time i got to you know endings ending c and d i was a little um, overpowered for that final section of the game. Um, however, still the the concept of the, of the end where you're going uh, up the tower and constantly uh, switching between the two characters um, in like the you know the successive final boss fights um, and and the score switching the thing it, it was a fantastic experience and very well designed. Any other games either this year or not that you want to shout out, people? Well, SteamWorld Dig 2. I played the SteamWorld Dig 1, like, last year. And then I got into 2 this year. And, uh, well, there hasn't been many games that I've finished, like, front to back uh, within, like, a day or two that, but that I, like, was driven to do that. And SteamWorld Dig was one of those. So... Yeah, it's just a, just a fairly good game, and it, it expands on the story of the Steam World story. Uh, I enjoy those. I have played all all of them, all, except for the quest, the new quest one. So I just like that one. And then the Into the Breach, which is by from the people who made Faster Than Light, is also a really good, like roguelike game. I would recommend it to anyone who likes roguelike turn-based strategic games. Like that's just perfect i echo that sentiment for me uh, i i found out that they put out the uh, old jack and dexter games on the ps4 store so i picked up jack and dexter one and that game is just a nostalgia trip for me and uh oh my god it was so much fun to go back to it i, I think i beat it in like some absurd like two day span or something because i was just steamrolling it because I had so much fun on it uh, but yeah Bing did you have one you wanted to say before oh yeah uh, Stardew Valley has a big update yes it does yeah <laughs> that's a, oh yeah that's a game that I'll never stop getting better I need to get back um, to that one ah uh, same actually yeah yeah the, it's, it's it's still fun other than that I don't think I need to talk about XCOM anymore <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll shout out XCOM quickly I played XCOM 2 this year and it was fantastic. I modded it, and this is perhaps a good segue. 
uh, to make everyone Mass Effect characters. <laughs> it was so great. Like the, <laughs> the modding was so perfect. Like they all had the voice lines and everything. It was it was amazing. I had a good time. I made it all Valkyrie Chronicles characters when I. Saw there you go. <laughs> I know. I need, I need a better computer to to play Chimera Squad. <laughs> Yeah, that came out this oh, year. Oh yeah, Chimera Squad came out. Came out this yeah, year. Yeah. That's true. Um, it was it was okay. It was sort of a fun baby sex cop. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It looks like a, a fun little thing, but yeah, obviously nowhere near on the level of normal XCOM. Let us end our discussion with a brief look at uh, some of the things that we are anticipating most in 2021. Some of the games, and I think for me, like the header of this discussion is. I don't actually know how many games are coming out in 2021 in terms of big stuff. Like most of these games that I put here on the list, there's no evidence that they're coming out in 2021. Uh, some of them there are, but mostly no. Um, so it's it's kind of an open question at this point what we're going to get, um, which is typically the case. But I think there's just a higher level of uncertainty this year, which makes sense. But I guess we'll see. I, I do have some confidence, someone put this on here, that the Mass Effect remaster uh, will come out. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that I, seems fairly set in stone. Yeah. It'll be next year. Yeah. I mean, it, like the I, for me, like the the two big ones seem like they're pretty sure to me. I mean, maybe they'll get um, delayed a few months, you know, here and there. Who knows? But I don't know. At least you know, at least from the announcements made, they 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 seemed like they were near red. I mean, I I would say, I mean, for sure. Horizon has been in development long enough that I would expect it to be near ready. Um, I mean, God of War certainly has had less time in that, so maybe that'll get delayed some. Um, yeah, the thing is, we ju- we've just seen nothing of the, either of those games of substance, yeah. so it's like, as the typical honestly, video game cycle goes, it's hard to predict like what's going to happen. Honestly, I just want you know, take the time. Don't 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 drop anything before it needs to be dropped. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's right. not like we can buy PlayStation Fives anyway right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which is just like what a stupid, what a stupid fucking thing. <laughs> Gotta like, spend not, the stimulus check on something. Yeah, like not like not only are they you know not available, but there's also just like no games. Like there's no point in buying. Like there's no games for them. It that. That launch stuff doesn't make. I feel like that always happens, though. Like I feel like the new consoles, there's always a a delay, like a lag before they have a good library. So it's fine. Yes. Yeah. The Switch only had Zelda for. Well, that was actually one of the best first releases, though. Like most of these things, like fucking PS4 had, like like I was saying, had Knack. (laughs) Like that was all it had. (laughs) And Xbox had Rise, Son of Rome. Yeah, it was just like a crappy game. So. Mm. Had like uh, that infamous, like the, the oh yeah, infamous child of the infamous games. Yeah, I actually liked that, but it was definitely half baked. But everybody hates it. Yeah, it was definitely a half baked game. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see. Like, it's gonna take time before they feel like they're great products to purchase. Uh, so you mentioned God of War, you mentioned Horizon, Elden Ring, My White Whale. When are we gonna learn more about Elden Ring? <laughs> well, I mean, like just. The- Sekiro, I mean, Sekiro was released in 2019. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I yeah. can wait. But yeah, we haven't heard anything about it in a year, so it's like, is this still a game? Is George R. R. Martin making it take longer? <laughs> development time. Yeah. King, um, do you think we get a uh, Victoria Three? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the big stuff. Uh, so I'll just shout out that I've been playing a ton of Resident Evil this year. I've played, like, this is just a series that I've been kind of, like, fully getting into this this past year. 
uh, and it's really great. <laughs> it's a great series. Uh, it's got some terrible games in there, but it's just funny and hilarious, and it's just good gameplay for most of them. And I loved Resident Evil Seven, the last one, and this is the follow up to that, Resident Evil Village, which is just Resident Evil Eight with a different name, uh, and it looks pretty cool. So I'm excited to play that. That's a game where you actually kind of know it's going to come out because Capcom's entire <laughs> schedule got leaked. <laughs> so <laughs> it should come out this year, and I hope it's good. So, Patrick, we got Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 on here, <laughs> which, as you yeah. said, you hope that uh, it turns out good. The uh, news on it has not been great <laughs> so far. Nope. But, yeah. But. I'm crossing fingers. I I am a big fan of Brian Masoda and was very sad to see him be let go. I'm assuming that's the right term of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping that's going to be good. I mean, to be fair, the first Bloodlines, which is, in my opinion, one of the best games ever, even though it's a buggy mess. So maybe... Uh, Maybe Cyberpunk still qualifies as Game of the Year next year uh, from that perspective. But no, it's seriously, it's, the storylines are perfectly, and the, the RPG elements are great. And I'm personally a, a big Vampire the Masquerade fan myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, what, what, what can I say? I am, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping mostly that it, it doesn't suck. And that comes out this year. Uh, I see Dragon Age 4 in tiny letters. Uh, I don't know if that's... <laughs> Just crying in a corner. I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like they're in for realsies production now. Instead of, like, being torn apart and scattered. Like, their development team being scattered to other projects. It seems like maybe it's it's happening. <laughs> For real now. That's it's, the last, it's the last good thing that that Bio, the, the, uh, Bioware has made. So, yeah, it's it's been weird because like I own Anthem, but I've never actually played it. Um, I just kind of assumed that nobody liked it, and then like some important person on the Anthem team got, I think, moved over to the Dragon Age team to like work on it, and like that person's Twitter announcement was just like covered in like all these anthem fans getting super angry about it and i was like oh my god they hate us almost as much as we hate them. <laughs> uh yeah i mean we'll see yeah. well i mean anthem's a failed game so sorry to those fans i guess yeah i don't think anthem's gonna have that redemption arc but i guess we'll see um no when you break computers you don't get redemption arcs generally <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean We'll see. Uh, they also announced the new Mass Effect game. <laughs> so. I don't know what the fuck. Whatever that is. Yeah. We'll, we'll revisit that next year. <laughs> yeah. Just give me the remaster. I'll so start play that for the first time. I'll start thinking about those games in 2023. Yeah, that's safe to say. <laughs> safe to say. Uh, and uh, another company that sort of disappointed, but I think that's more external pressure than. Oh, there's a whole host of things that we don't have to get into right now. Uh, But I'm sure 2021 will have lots of good games. It's just kind of waiting to see how that takes shape. I'm sure there's things that we have no idea about that will be awesome. And whatnot. How far is is Hollow Knight? I have no idea. (laughs) It should be an announcement. Should be right around the corner. I've uh, I've seen through the rumors. Yeah, there's been a little momentum lately, so we'll see. I've replayed that this year, last year. So good. Can't wait for the next one. 
Um, all right. That will do it, I think. I think that is everything that we have to say in our nearly three-hour podcast on this, but I think it was all <laughs> lots of really good discussion. I can't wait to edit it. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really good discussion, and I'm very happy that we made this happen. It's one of my favorite things to do on VOK is these roundtables and just to talk about games for a while with you guys, and uh, you guys brought a lot of good stuff to the table so appreciate that so much thank you all and thank you everyone for listening to this edition of VOK uh, we'll be back next time with more great content I'm sure if you want to check out more of us you can do so at VOKpodcast.com you can check us out on all the social medias and all that and if you want to join us on discord um, you can do that we're also the forums are back so that's a thing too um, and you can come chat with us about all this stuff and everything else so thank you all thank you so much and we'll be back again very soon bye 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 bye, bye.